Hey everyone, it's Will and James here. Welcome to the Pure Sport Project. We want to jump into the minds of people we find inspiring from all walks of life. Bringing you their stories, lessons learned along the way, and future plans. So tune in for some of them wholesome yarns. Welcome back to the Pure Sport Project. This week, we are joined by John and Leon, a.k.a. The Lean Machines. How are you, boys? Good, thanks, mate. Very well. I just realised that both of you are now shaven tops. Like we've got, we've got Phil and Grant Mitchell staring at us, but, but a handsome version. What you didn't know is we're going to bring out our own duo act, so we're coming for you. Watch out. This is, this is like a WWE yet, but... Smackdown. It's going to turn into a grudge The Dudley match. Brothers versus <laughs> Christian and Edge. <laughs> <laughs> Buzz and John, get the chair. One of the guys who used to have the spikes on their shoulders back in the day. No idea. All, all I know is that I'm looking at the lamp. Someone's getting the lamp around the head. Yeah. <laughs> table wins. ladders and chairs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I'm, I'm not to use this table. Bring out the cage. <laughs> anyway. anyway yeah, yeah, let's get back into it. So if anyone that doesn't know who you lads are, as always, we let the guests do their introductions. So I don't know which one of you is going to do the intro or you want to do it as a combined thing. Maybe you've practiced this already. Maybe you've rehearsed it, but we let you guys take over the mics and do your own introduction. Okay, cool. So I'm John and obviously this Leon next to me. We have a kind of a YouTube presence, but before any of that, we were personal trainers and coaches. Leon and I met when we were about 16. It's a funny story to the start with that, without learn the tone of the podcast straight away he told me to pretty much f off first time we met and then since then we've been we've been friends ever Best since of friends. Um, <laughs> long story short both of us worked in trades i was a carpenter leon was a roof tiler leon changed career into personal training i wanted to do the same and i said do you mind if i do the same thing as you i don't want to tread on your toes and he said yeah okay cool and i said well that's good because there's this thing called youtube that i reckon we could do it and get some more clients for and like Back in the day, I was watching it, watching people fall off skateboards and animals doing really weird things. I was like, what the hell are we going to do on YouTube as personal trainers? What, what year was this, you reckon? I don't want to talk about exactly it, James. It still hurts. <laughs> no, I reckon, I reckon it was probably, what are we now, 2021? 10 years ago. Yeah, I, yeah 10, maybe nine years ago. And it, it was so barren. Like, you wouldn't even go into YouTube to figure out how to fix your lawnmower back then. You know, so there was this period of time where YouTube was just this really dark gray area where just weird stuff happened. And it was like all of the old Vimeo memes and stuff like that originally came from. And you're like, everyone's just putting them on there. And it looks like they filmed it on a potato. And it's just like, <laughs> oh yeah, YouTube's such a weird space. But yeah, then it's, it, it's, it's interesting because we were kind of at the forefront of the kind of evolution of YouTube. And when it first started, there was no adverts on it there was no branded stuff there wasn't even really a cpm which is how people earn money off youtube for views there was none of that so for us it was just a way to get seen and this is how naive we were we thought it would get more clients in our local gym well how many people that that, that watch you on youtube happen to live in your catchment area that's just all it was for us and we used to work in the gym from annoyingly early until 10 and then because of the rights for youtube you couldn't have music on we closed the gym at 10 they'd let us film for an hour in there until 11. so then we'd get up and do the 6 30 shift again in the morning and we just did that for several years and then out of the blue once you got to a certain amount of followers they brought in cpm and we we're like cool that, that's not really gonna change anything for us with the views that we get and then eventually we actually got approached by i think it was mars or snickers for 
which we turned it down actually, but it was for the first ever job or anything that we even knew even existed. And we're like, what? So what? They want to give us money to do what? I don't really understand. And we turned it down anyway because it kind of went against our ethics. And probably one thing you'll get from this podcast from us is that we never waved from our ethos or from our, our, our ethics. Um, and that's- Apart from when you did that naked shoot. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't against my ethics, I'll tell you. Uh, I, in fact, I was all about, I enjoyed that. We, you we, were the one. Let's not talk about considering that. Considering Leon is the one who, well, not so much nowadays, but when we're younger, if he was to get drunk, he would be the one flashing everyone from outside the pub window. Those days have long gone now, but we did do an naked shoot. We'll get to that some other point. Yeah. Anyway, so that was kind of our, our journey on YouTube and we were doing 30, 40 hours a week in the gym and three or four years down the, down the road, we got approached, would we like to create a book? And we were like, no, not really. We're kind of too busy to do that. And but then- also as well, at this point, because YouTube had kind of become this, it was a fame thing back then. It went from being this weird space to, oh, you're a YouTuber. People would literally want to have photos with you on a red carpet. Like we'd go to movie premieres and people would want to have photos with us, just like the actors and actresses, because we were YouTubers. So it went through this really gray area of, everyone wanted a piece of what YouTubers were doing. So when we got approached to write a book, we were probably about the 15th person in our agency that we'd been signed to who'd been approached to write a book. And we're like, I'm not writing a book about YouTube, I'm a personal trainer. And then these guys came back with, it was really cute actually, this this scrapbook of they'd been following us. They're like, we think you should do it about this, about that. And, you know, being from a personal trainer's perspective, trying to essentially get involved in that, you know, that Joe Wicks evolution at the time. So we just said, yep, we'll do it. But this was when everything changed because they kind of took the decision of what we were going to do next out of our hands. Like we can, we could sit here and go, oh yeah, we just went, we're going to go all in. We didn't have a choice. They turned around and said, this is how much we're going to pay you to write the book. Looked at our schedule, looked at the three month turnaround for first draft. And they're like, there is no way you can well, they, continue. They, they insinuated a ghostwriter to start with. And we're like, yeah. No. And we're like, well, we're writing it ourselves. And they're like, if you want to write this book yourself, how the hell do you expect to do that teaching 50 hours of PT a week, creating all the content that you're creating and you've got to get this turned around? They're like, this just isn't going to happen. So they kind of said, it's all yours, but you have to go all in. And at that point, this money was, it was about two years salary for both of us at that point where we were like, worst case scenario, John used to live on like 50 quid a week after his car insurance. So he's like, bang it, I'm, I'm living at home. I'm good. We're, we're grand for this, right? I was in an early relationship with my partner. I was like, I can live off pasta and tomato sauce. It's all good. So like worst case scenario, we're like, right, we've got two years here to give it all that we can. We got ultra shredded. I started wearing more fake tan and we got topless and we just started filming more. <laughs> it's good crude. recipe. Recipe for yeah, success. Yeah, it's yeah, crude. Yeah. Honestly, back then. Tanned and make notes. Make notes. Yeah, make notes. Make notes. <laughs> but the down. thing is, it's like we're, we're also talking from the infant stage of YouTube. It was crude. You know, you still have those crude sex sales elements in social media. But back then, the only blueprint we had to kind of copy and make our own was America. So there was no real double axe around at the time, but all there was was super shredded guys There's and no girls. UK YouTube channels for fitness either. Really. No, it's like we were we we hung on this quite quite strong for a few years. We were like the top male fitness double act for like three or four years. We're like, because there's no one else out there. <laughs> it's still going, default, the you're still going in every still bio, <laughs> and we were trying to copy this mold of America. So like now, 
sat here, you know, we look after ourselves, but we're not ultra lean guys. Sometimes when I'm giving my email address out, Leon the Lean Machine, or oh, what's your channel? I'm talking about all these deep methods about mindset and training. They're going, so what's your channel called? I'm like, the Lean Machines. It's like, <laughs> sometimes it feels a bit conflicted, but back then, that's what it was. We you know, and we That were, was a tongue-in-cheek name, but we just didn't was. really think about the longevity You never that. thought that it was going to be your identity and your brand. But back then, we were looking at these American guys, and we're like, right, we need to do that but in our way, we're not taking gear. We're not absolutely massive. So let's appeal to those, that audience. And it was the 18 to 25 year old guys who wanted to look like us and the 18 to 25 year old girls who wanted to get with us maybe and watch us, you know? So you were, it was just, if you were topless, if your views ever dipped, you did a topless video and they came back up. Do you remember what your first videos were about? Yep. Your very, very first videos? Yeah, they were videos. all in our archive because we took them off. Oh, really? I was about <laughs> to no, scroll no, no, through. No, the first one stood up there. Introduction and two fresh-faced boys, red in the face because of kind of I'm nerves. Just, I was getting stuff. redder and redder. Yeah. I went out a muscle vest <laughs> yeah. on and I started with like this weird red line on my head and it got redder and redder down we to my shoulders uh, as the video <laughs> came Charlie up. Charlie and the chocolate factory. <laughs> <laughs> we got like a, a Dulux color chart out of all the colors of red, we could probably take you through the full spectrum. The thing was, the thing was, right, this was how naive, not naive, innocent we were with it. We didn't realize how far that kind of content would go, that our first video, we were three weeks into Movember, right? So the first time YouTube sees me, I've got a big ginger mustache and I'm, I'm having to apologize for this massive mustache as soon as I start. And I'm like, this is the first introduction to YouTube. This person doesn't know me and I just look like an absolute weirdo, but we didn't think, we didn't I think anything even of it. Tash, not even close. Oh, you didn't have anything. You were bald, wasn't you? I was, mate. Everywhere. Yeah. No, yeah, I know. Look at me now. Finally hit puberty at <laughs> grand age of 33. <laughs> yeah. And that was, and that was, and that was kind of where it all started. So that was what, 10 years ago and like a bit of a evolution to the book, which was four or five years ago? Yeah, I reckon the book was probably about four and a half years ago, yeah. So I don't think there's been many people that have probably been in the game as consistently as, as you lads. So the one thing I wanted to chat to you most about is how you feel like it's changed because like I've probably been doing this little fitness thing in kind of the, the industry for probably like five, six years, but you guys have been in it for like 10 years. So I've seen it change dramatically. I've seen it change in the last year dramatically. So what are the, like the key things that you've seen changed over the course of the last 10 years? So it changed from a brand perspective and from a user perspective. Like you've got to think before YouTube brands advertising was all on TV, TV 10 years ago, TV was bigger than Netflix and all and that magazines. kind of stuff. And that kind of stuff. But there is little to no crossover between TV and online. So what we found out in the early days, we did Sunday brunch and other stuff like that. There just isn't a crossover between the two. And who we were, go on. I was, yeah, 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 I was just about to mention this before yeah, we jumped online. The, I nearly burnt the kitchen down. <laughs> Leon, the first time I'd ever seen these guys was with Jamie Oliver cooking and I was most like, embarrassing day of my life that was honestly I was like who are these guys I need to have a look at these guys they're on with Jamie Oliver I love Jamie Oliver I think he's a class guy yeah. Jamie's an absolute legend quick story about about Jamie because I think it's funny we were at Feastable which is like a festival down in the Cotswolds which was I think he kind of part owned or something like that it was yeah, on Jamie's with, farm <laughs> just so you know for the listener James and he fell off his seat yeah, it's great uh, <laughs> we, uh, we were we were at, basically he has an old army truck which he's converted into a wooden bar with a pizza oven in it and it was hammering down and it was like lightning and we were kind of just we basically just got absolutely steaming drunk in there but i didn't realize until the way out there's like you know like the swinging signs you get on side 
the pub. His name of his pub was called the Cock and Cider. He was a great guy. And like, he was somebody that I think you meet a lot of celebrities, you get put in front of a lot of celebrities when you first kind of start getting that whoosh moment, we called it. And Jamie was the first person that I met having had like, ideas of what I wanted him to be because he was someone he was in he was at the forefront of trying to change nutrition for kids like he was doing all the right yeah. things and I was like please don't be a dick was my only thought when we got there and I and I still to this day remember we walked in he was over getting ready pissing around with his phone and he's like oh boys you're right he came over and said hello and the first thing he did he didn't shake our hands and go back to his corner he put his arms around both of us tucked us into the middle and was like oh look at this video and he was showing it and I was like it's like a warm hug. Yeah, he's and lovely. Absolutely, absolutely buzzing. But yeah, he was he was great, and I I was an absolute idiot and proper fanboyed and made it all of myself on the video. But it was great content. But back to how much it's changed. I think the main thing is that it's gone from escapism and sharing of content and just oh, this is my coffee, this is my day. To people approach social media as a business now. Back then, it was just maybe bragging about your life, living your best life. Whereas now it's people will start an Instagram account to create a business off the back of it, which is for us, that was such a foreign concept because when we first had it, it was a case of you're trying to populate as many different platforms as you possibly can with as many different people as possible. Because, you know, the naive thing that a lot of people have is if you've got a million followers on Instagram, they're going to see you everywhere. And it's like, we would have, we got to the point where we had a quarter of a million on YouTube and we're like, oh, great. Let's start a Facebook page. We'll have a quarter of a million on there in a week because that'll all transfer over. No, 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 everyone wants to use Facebook. So it's like, you start putting different pieces of content on different social channels to get different engagement because they're all completely different audiences. They all absorb content in different ways and they don't all go across. Whereas now it's like, there's such a plan behind absolutely everything that you have to do because it's like... You know, Instagram for us, for instance, is a shop front. It's not just me showing a workout. It's a case of what does this give the audience? What are they going to take away from this that they could potentially action in their own training or in their life? Are they going to buy a product? Are they going to engage in more than, a, more than oh, you look great with your top off or where are all your gains gone? You know, it's, it used to just be a, a case of get likes, get comments. That's all you needed. Whereas now it's evolved massively because there's three or four layers behind that shop front. Yeah, it, it rides trends as well. It creates and it rides trends. Like we obviously went through the clean eating stage where everyone was like, oh, clean eating is cool. Ooh, we shouldn't talk about clean eating. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, very, it's very fickle at times. Like you're, and I think it's important unless it's something that you believe in and you have adopted it on for the long term not to compound yourself and restrict yourself into one thing like if your whole thing was made of clean eating at some point you're thinking oh, oh everyone's clean is not in anymore what am i going to do i've got a rebrand or or what or have you do you see what i mean so there was a point when whether it's keto whether it's paleo whatever it may be they all have their their times and there's, i'm not saying there's anything wrong with them but if you are using that as a foot up all your way in, you have to understand that some of that may stick with you for the long term. So it's kind of, you have to be very sure of your message and who you are as a person and what you're trying to achieve because that's going to be there for a long time. And that's what people are going to remember you by. And that's what we've always tried to do. Like our passion is helping people. It always has been. It's what we do with our clients still now. And we generally care about that. So 
when the stuff that we put on, sometimes it doesn't get as much engagement as other things we do, which is maybe more fun, but there's a purpose behind it. And that is our purpose is to help people, whether it's live longer, whether it's be happier, whatever that, that person needs at that time. It's very, very easy. And I did it to get caught up in all the stuff that comes with it. Like, because when we first started, we were kind of brought in our agency. They were like the kind of the top YouTubers and stuff that were kind of starting it. I don't even really like calling myself a YouTuber. I'm a coach, but you kind of get swept up in that and you feel like everyone follows the same blueprint. And it's very, very easy to start looking at everything through rose tinted glasses or looking at everything from ink digits. So it's like, how many hearts do you get? How many likes do you get? And it would get to the point that when we used to upload on YouTube, in the first 15 minutes, if your video topped out of 301 views, it would stop at 301. You'd know that you were basically going to hit the kind of views that you wanted to. By the time you wake up in the morning, it would have 10,000 views or something like that. If I didn't hit 301 and I'd keep refreshing it for those 15 minutes, it would piss me off for the next 24 hours. And I put that effort into that video. Why hasn't it done well? And it's, and it's, you have so little control. You have control of what you create. As soon as you put send on that, it's out there and there's nothing you can do about it. There's algorithms, there's whether people generally resonate with them. There's so many things that you have Hashtag to- Hashtag ad. Yeah, you have to, you have, so many things <laughs> you, yeah, There's so many things you have to let go of and it's very hard to let go of them and not take them and carry them over into your, into your life because there's no nine to five on it. It's, if you want it to be, it's a 24 hour job and that can be kind of damaging. So it took me a long time, it took me several years to push post and then just let things go because it's hard. What have you implemented to do that? Because it obviously crosses over to basically everyone listening. Everyone's got this 2021 head on of yeah. it's terrifying. out there needs to get this many likes for me to feel validated. So what have you done to therapy to switch that off? I work with a therapist I've done yeah. for the last four years. I don't have any mental issues or anything like that. I just have baggage that everyone has from growing up and the things that we all go through in our lives. And it was just something that, is it going to make me less anxious? Is it going to help me more with my life? And if you've got anxiety, which I know a lot of people that are in social media have, have anxiety from, and I know a lot of my friends that also end up seeing the same person or other therapists that work in the social space, because I actually don't think sometimes from a creator's perspective, it's actually one of the most healthy things to always be into. You have to you have to protect yourself from that. And I don't think that you're given the tools to do that, to, to, if you know what I mean. So for me, it was that, and it was just kind of having a bit of reflection on what's important, what I have control of. And I think for every person, there'll be their own their own triggers and there'll be their own things that they need to work on because it's their stuff. Like everyone's got their own stuff. So for me, that was a big thing for me. And then when my daughter was born, everything changed. I know it's something that everyone says, but for me, it's just, people often say, what's the best thing about being a dad and I can never answer that but from a selfish point of view what I can tell you is it gives you perspective on things that matter and don't matter so much anymore you can post something and you go so I can sit here and I can refresh this phone and I can let it annoy me or I can go and play with that little thing that's sitting there who's the best thing I've ever seen so it's, it's finding it's finding that balance but for anyone that's kind of getting into it or is into that kind of area where it starts to become a career I would say it's amazing. There are going to be highs and there's going to be lows, but at the same time, just maybe have a little think about before it gets too far down the line, how much time are you giving to it and, and how much time is it, is it kind of taking away from you as well? Yeah, like for me, I classify it as being fortunate now because experience is, is wonderful, but I was on the side of it where it's easy for me now because I got so wrapped up 
I, I wrote about it. I wrote a book over COVID and I remember like just thinking about some of the stories and stuff and the way that I used to conduct myself in order to gain traction and get more traction because at that point, it kind of kicked in. It felt like a drug. Like when you started getting more likes, you started getting recognized. You'd walk like I, I would. So I remember when I used to walk around the city where I live now, and it'd be fine. And then suddenly, I'd walk into the city and I get stopped twenty times for photos. And so, and it would be from a range of people from like seven-year-old kids all the way up to mums and dads. And you're like, this is so strange. And you kind of if you're not careful, you start to feed off it a little bit. And I started to, and it got to the point where if I was walking around, even if no one said hello, I felt like everyone was staring at me. And I was like, I kind of liked that. And, it, and I got to that dark point whereby you were hanging around with other people in more influential spaces than what you were. They were more advantageous. You would go to events and you're networking, trying to speak to everybody that you possibly can. And I remember you'd go to these events and there'd be like four or five influencers. And before you'd even said hello, they'd all searched you and they knew how many followers you had. And that was a case of if you didn't have a blue tick or you didn't have something that they needed, they wouldn't speak to you. Yeah, but it was like that. It used to, it used to be this constant fairy go round of fake relationships and friendships. And I used to believe naively that if somebody was like, oh yeah, let's hang out and make a vlog, I used to be like, oh cool, yeah, they want to hang out. But they just, all they want is to feed off your pool, take all your stuff away, and then they're going to just go off. And I got so caught up in that, that I would drive all around the country to hang out with people who didn't give a flying one. And I remember like for me, there was a definitive moment where it changed and I woke up and that was my wedding. So when me and my wife got married when I was 30, I did it as a bit, as a bit naughty, a bit of a test. But you know, everyone's like, I'll come to your wedding because it's your wedding. So we did it as a, a surprise birthday party. And because we were both in the social spectrum, we're like, make sure we're going to put it out as a big ad to everybody. We're like, we're doing a surprise 30th birthday party. At 4 p.m., there's going to be a special guest. So make sure you're there by 3.30. Because we were on social media, everyone was like, even my mum was like, is Ed Sheeran coming? Like, <laughs> <Yeah. I> was, <laughs> well, not that famous. You did have um, Nando's at your wedding, though. You did have Nando's, which is great. Perks. My kind of wedding. Yeah, mate, it was grand. Yeah. Um, and we're like, right. So I invited everyone. And it was so sobering to walk out on that day when all the guests were there and there was three, maybe four people from, I'm doing bunny ears here, the social side of my friendship group. I had friends at 40, 50 people that I would speak to in social media, three of them turned up. And I was like, fuck, okay. They, they want you in their context, but when it's important to you, it doesn't matter. They don't want to travel for you. And then over the next days, I was getting message after message. Oh, if I knew it was your wedding, I would have been there. Like that was the point. And it was just, it was honestly, it was like such a bolt where I went, what have I been doing? And then I suddenly looked at everything completely differently. And, and there was a case of when I look at content now, I look at it for what I want to create. The thing is, is like when you first start, you have to create for the audience. You know, everyone's got their, their message that they're trying to get out there and you have to you know, put the blinkers on and just create and create and create towards that USP that you're working on. But there's a point where you either become that, where you're just focusing on the likes and the progression and all that kind of stuff, or you start to step away and go, if the person doesn't like me, then sorry, but fuck off. You, you, you have to be like that. And it, it's a hard position to get to. But I got to that point where suddenly I'm like, I put content up now. And if I get 
a thousand likes on it. I'm like, cool, I've been validated as me. These people like me, whereas for three or four years, I was putting content out and it was getting great traction and all the views and all the rest of it, but it wasn't me. It was a character that I was trying to create in order to gain traction. And that's where I feel like all these, like when John was talking about anxiety and depression and all the, the negative sides of social media come out for people because they're putting this, this mask on for the social audience, but then they're crippling behind because they're getting further and further away from their identity. And in, on social media, like the biggest thing I say to people is be who you are supposed to be and let people come and go. And then when you get validated for something that you've said and you believe 100%, that is like ecstasy. And that's what you should feed off. Mm. Mm. It's like imposter sy syndrome, you start 100%. 100%. You start worrying about who you really are and yeah. just trying to be yeah. more like the person you oh. Or even when we signed the Nike thing, for, we're sponsored by Nike, and we, I was like, oh, I was like, why? Like, do you mean sometimes you have to, you, 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 you know what, sometimes. I ask the same question. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you just get imposter syndrome and it happens. And then sometimes you do stuff and you think it's great and then it doesn't, isn't received quite the same way. And at the end of the day, you can't please everyone. Like, like well, I can't remember who said it, but I can't tell you how to succeed in life, but I can tell you the quickest way to fail, and that's trying to please everyone. Like, you can't do it. This is why... I, for a very long time, I, my friendship circle is quite small now, but my people are my people. Like they give me the same amount of energy that I give them. And I am there for my friends. And I'm, it's with, the thing is what you notice as well, especially when you PT and when you genuinely care about your clients, even when if you're on calls and whatever it is, you're giving to them all the time. You're giving your energy because you're trying to make them feel good and you're giving them your teachings, whatever it may be. So you have to find ways to, get that back for yourself so you're back on your own game you have to find time to kind of replenish your energy and a lot of people in life are some i think they call you either fountains or drains and a lot of people you put a lot of time in for them but you get nothing back and you all you get out of those relationships is feeling drained it's not like i'm never going to talk to those people I'm just going to distance myself a little bit so my friendship circles smaller than it used to be but it's awesome and i just they're, they're my people and that's the same thing with with social media you just take relationships for what they are and you understand that some people are work friends and some people are your people. So it's, it's, it's like James, he's definitely just a work friend. No. <laughs> it's, 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 it, there's, I'm joking. No, I wouldn't even say friend. Just, yeah. <laughs> Acquaintance. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's, it's a funny and it's a weird, it's a wonderful thing to be involved in. And we've done some incredible things and we've met some incredible people. And I think if it was all written down on paper in front of me, I'd gone, holy shit, have I done all that kind of stuff? But I think you just... And it's important to, I think you just kind of live in the moment for when you take day by day as it comes. But it certainly is, it certainly is a fast, it's hard, I'd say the hardest thing that I know a lot of people social, uh, struggle for in social media is you have very little control over anything other than what you create. It's not like you go, right, I'm working nine to five. It's not like you find one thing that works because everything is fluid. Everything is constantly changing. So it's hard to know. It's not like, right, John, your job today is to stack that many boxes. You get that many boxes done, you get a thumbs up. It's like, right, John, pull something out of your ass today that <laughs> is in line with what you want to tell the world. Put it up and judge yourself on how well it does. Hope for the best. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. it is, it is. It is. And, and, it's, and, it's constantly that. And, it's, and a lot of it is that, so you have to, you have, to have that attitude. Yeah. If, you, if you have the attitude of, like JC won't mind me saying it, but he was always a perfectionist. Like we would have a vlog, which would be my version of edit, chop it together, make sure the sentences aren't all over the place and it makes sense. Like back then, that's all it needed. 
because it was literally content was king. It didn't matter what it was. People were just nosy. But JC could sit there for eight hours, 10 hours editing a vlog because it had to be perfect. And, that, and then when you put it up and it doesn't get the amount of response that the energy you've put in, you're like, are you fucking kidding me? And, it, and that's just one of the things you just have to, you have to get to that point where you're just like, I've done my work by creating, let it go let it do what it wants to do. And I think on social media now, when you say just how much it changed, it constantly changes. And what I feel like so many people try and focus on is constantly trying to get ahead of that curve and get ahead of the next algorithm change or the next rule that's going to come in. And I'm like, don't you worry about that. That's going to come whether you worry about it or not. Why don't you just worry about who you are, what you're trying to create and let everything else do what it's going to do. Because, you know, with Instagram, you, you feel like you've got into a nice little rhythm. You put up a piece of content that works within that rhythm. I remember we did it before. We did a test and we put the same pieces of content up in a, in a nice series flow. Week after week, it was getting thousands of views for like four or five videos. We're like, we are on to a winner. Put the fifth video up and it got like a thousand views. We're like, that makes no fucking sense. It was, it was a progression from the last piece of content and, it, and all the, the fence posts had just been moved. And it's like, you can sit there going, well, what was wrong with that? Do I need to change it? Do I need to change the way I edit? Do I need to change the way I said it? You don't need to change anything because it was the content that you wanted to create. And that's what I feel like a lot of people, they focus on the wrong side of it, trying to control the wrong elements. And I say with everything in life, control the controllable factors. When you've got a plate full of stuff that needs to be done, I look at it as two simple lists, a list of things that you can control and a list of things that are out of your control. And I feel like a lot of people focus on the things that they can't control because they want to so much. And what they need to do is just get through their list. It's social media is amazing and it does so many amazing things. You just have to know how to manage it. And like, it's now a form of currency in terms of social hierarchy. Like it used to be what Pokemon cards did you have? How good were you at football? Now, what shoes did you have? Did you have kickers at school? What, what were you rocking? Hey, I, was, I was rocking the pods. Were you? you yeah, pods, were you? Mate, a big old soul. Mine was uh, the bench press at school. Oh, oh, yeah. Genuinely, there was a list on the whiteboard in the gym of every lad and their max bench press. And oh, that was wow. the social hierarchy wow. at my school. I like oh, it. Wow. Yeah, and all the big lads were in the 100 club. I didn't get the hundred cards till I was about twenty. I can, dead, I can deadlift it till I was thirty-three. I can't. Uh, I can't now. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then it just becomes. It starts to change into. We would literally get young children coming up to us and go, "Oh, you're a YouTuber," and I'm like, "Yeah." And it's like, and it's like, how many subscribers you got? That was the first question. If you hit, if it was a tick for them, you got you got a follow. And then like, it was just an odd thing. But it's just how the world moves. Unfortunately. None of it's real. There's no core values on who that person is as a person. You're just taking them off. It's the definition of judging a book by its cover. And then this is the thing, like, I watched something recently. It was really interesting. It was about a neuroscientist, and he was talking about the effects of scrolling and stuff like that and how normal experiences, you might have one a day, which gets that kind of endorphins, oxytocin, all this kind of stuff going that makes you, makes you feel good. He said the problem is now as you go on TikToks, TikTok, TikTok, I'm so old. You go, you go on TikTok and you scroll through it and you're seeing so many different subject matter and so many different things and all these things are kind of spiking all these kind of Just neurochemical eventually. emotions in your head that it's, it's almost like a drain on that system. And one of the best things he was saying is like, first thing you can do in the morning is not pick up your phone. Just do something normal and set yourself up for a day because like kids now, and it's very easy to say as a 33 year old, but they can tell you about the cosmos, they can tell you about the world and they can tell you, but they've seen none of it. 
because they're kids to start with, but also they, they, but you've just seen it through your phone. There is a very big difference between feeling something and seeing it and experiencing it and then seeing it through a screen. And I just, and I, I think it's really important that just kind of, but there's a find a balance. And I think that balance will come in time. I don't think we're there yet, but I think that I think it will come around full circle. Do you have any like, structures in place? Like you just said there about not picking up your phone in the morning. Obviously you're both parents now as well. Have you got like a cutoff at like, the end of the day and be like, right, I'm not actually going to go on my phone because it, the social media stuff is so accessible now and it's so easy to waste an hour. I think the best thing that I brought in was two phones. And for the first six months, everyone was convinced I was a, a pimp or a drug dealer because you're walking around with two phones. But honestly, it's, you have to like, again, when I talk about that addictive nature that I had, you have to accept, once you're aware of that, you have to accept that that's part of your personality. And it's a case of how do you safeguard your, yourself? And, and the only way that I could remove myself from scrolling and checking everything was to put it in a, on a completely different device because I'm still going to have my phone. So I brought a work phone in, which now like I, I couldn't even get the address up for this today because it's on my work phone calendar. It's not my personal. Like yeah. Samsung. John had to get <laughs> it out. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So I have my work phone that has all of my clients on there. It has all of my work details, work chats, calendars, emails, everything. And that phone goes on do not disturb the second I've started making dinner for my daughter or my, or my wife as a family. So we normally cook around half five. That's on do not disturb at that point. And then I don't pick it up until I've started my day the following day. So that was like one huge thing that just put a rift in the way. The only thing that I have on my personal phone is TikTok and Instagram. And normally, if I've got content to upload, I'll airdrop it from my laptop to my work phone so I can upload it on there. And it's only ever like last night I had to put a job up and it was saved in drafts. So all I had to do was click send and it was ready to go live. That was huge for me. And then the other thing was lists. It's really simple. Like everybody's talking about productivity and plan ahead and all that sort of stuff. But the reason everybody's talking about it is because it works having literally having a simple list of objectives to complete each day makes so much difference to me. Like I have my magic number is five because one of the things with social media again is that you are constantly, you can always make something or you can always waste time trying to figure something out. It's because, Oh, I need to create something because that guy did. And they're my competition. You know, you worry about that sort of stuff, but I literally would, I get to the end of my day, my dog, my little Frenchie is like a little baby. I have to carry him downstairs. Yes, mate. He's seven years old. He's a grumpy old sod, but he's amazing. But to get him to go out for a wee at night, I have to walk him downstairs and take him out the back door, which is situated right next to my office. He goes out, the door gets shut. I go into the office. I write my list for the next day. So I'll write even something as simple as at the moment, obviously I'm running a lot, morning run. And it's stated exactly what that run is or the objective is. Write an email to the subscription list. Uh, uh, cut complete all of my emails, do a workout or create a piece of content, reply to this message, really, really simple fundamental things that have to get done. And then I go upstairs with the dog. When I go to bed, all my supplements, pure sport supplements, obviously, or all, all of my daily doses are laid out in a little Petri dish with a, uh, a liter of water, Petri dish, whatever it is. Well, no, well, all right. I was trying to sound smart. It's a bloody Charlie Bingham's pot, all right, from one of the from one of the pies because the ceramic pots. Wait, I, I use those for my herbs. Mate, they're I take them out, put the herbs in. All right, yes. it's Charlie Bingham's, right? Big up and if Charlie you want, if, if you want to know more, it was chicken and mushroom pie. 
mate, they're like the most expensive and you have to put them in the oven. There's you no do. microwave. But you get a free little kind of portion dish at the end. You do. And you get you one hell of a rise. You get a hell of a rise on those bad boys. Yeah, and if you buy any herbs from whatever supermarket, Tesco, whatever, you know how they die real quick. Yeah. You just put them in the thing and make sure you water them from the bottom where the roots are. Well, your parsley will stay fresh for weeks. Yeah, but they're no, the, they're no, the no, meals. No. You look for the pies, but you won't see the pots. But anyway, I put all my supplements in one of those <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Bingham, Bingham pots. pots. See, it doesn't even have the same ring. Yeah, there it is. Oh, so they're these things, and you obviously what you Waitrose number, mate. Waitrose, yeah, yeah or Tesco's, but they're just they're they're extortionate, but they're worth it. Um, so I put all my sups in there, a liter of water ready for the morning, and then the last thing I do is all my clothes out. The, the, the first outfit that I'm going to be wearing that next day, whether it's a workout outfit or work or chill pants, whatever, everything gets set out. And some people call it really anal and a little bit much, but I'm like, I'm already three steps ahead of the next day. And that for me is, you know, the key thing that I'm always looking for for my day is momentum. And you can create momentum for your next day before it even starts. I call it alley-oops. Yeah. I'm alley-ooping my damn self for the next day. Slam dunk, bitch. Uh, yeah. And I'm not a morning person. Like, I hate getting up in the morning. So I'm like, I've got two choices. Keep bitching and whining about the morning and making it really hard for myself or make it even easier for myself and as frictionless as possible to glide into that morning, into the part where I'm like, I really don't want to do this. It's really early in the morning. I'm not really functioning. I can just basically walk through like a zombie and things are in my place that are already set up. And it now expands to having like filtered coffee ready out. All I've literally got to do is press click on the kettle, things like that. The cup's there, it's ready. Depending on what level I'm at, I'll create more different layers of these simple habits for the next day. And it just, it makes so much difference. And then once those things are out of the way, then the work phone can come back in the room. Anything for you, John? Is it similar? Yeah, I never used to finish work. I would just be there till late at night. Just got to do this, babe. Just got to do that. Now, 5.30, I'm done for a day. And I'll be lying if there wasn't the odd time where I'm scrolling on my phone and Rose will say, John, Bobby's asked you three times in a row. And I'll go, and I go, that's bad dad. And then I'll throw it across the room. Like it's a work in progress, but a trillion times better than what, what it used to be. And I think it's important to be honest about that stuff because I think a lot of people will be in the, it will be in the same boat. I know we've talked a lot about social media and stuff opposed to kind of our coaching and stuff like that. But kind of the last thing I would say to people that are on social media and they feel a lot of pressure is never compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20. So a lot of people like Faisal very kindly calls us the kings of content. When we put stuff up, we, especially if it's, uh, if it's a branded job, we absolutely send it. Like we've had 10 years of learning how to edit, 10 years of learning how to film and effects and whatever it may be. And some people may look at that and go, oh, mine's rubbish compared to that, or they may be better, I don't know. But understand that where you are in your journey and where we are in our journey. So comparison is a really important thing in life. It's how we learn from other people. But again, you have to know how to manage that for life. Dollar, I think we're pretty good on splice. Oh, I love a bit splice, of splice. Mate, splice for the win. I didn't even realize I yesterday. I, I could make myself look tanned. Maybe <laughs> visual effects. 10% less good, but... Yeah, I don't know. Remember the one that you did where you like picked the can off the side of the car? Oh, yeah, that took me so oh, long to do. Lord. That was unreal. I can't do that. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm going to be I can't. I don't even know where you would begin with that. When we talk about that now, this is just, uh, again, that evolution. So JC would say, we've learned all these skills and like John would sit there learning and downloading different programs to learn how to do stuff. Like it was, if you wanted to learn how to do it, you learn how to do it. Sounds really obvious, but now... People are making content and I'm like, how are they? Oh, 
oh, they've got a film crew in. There's now job titles that are specifically creating content, you know, and it's like everything that we, we might spend two or three days creating something because maybe we're just tight as a duck's ass and we're not going to pay five, 600 quid for someone to come in and do it in a day. <laughs> but that is, again, that huge shift of there was no such thing as film crews unless they were attached to TV shows back then, whereas there is freelance photographers and videographers who work full time just on social content creation for influencers now. And that's, that's, again, that is, that blows my mind compared to where we came from. There's not, well, off the top of my head, I can't think of a lot of people that are like a, a double actor duo on social media. A lot of people are just kind of individuals and, you know, the content that they produce is kind of off their own back and the direction of their brand as, as themselves is their own. Like they don't have to really answer to it unless they've got like a manager or something like that. So how has that dynamic worked over the last 10 years? Because I can't imagine two people working so closely together in a business over 10 years has not had its ups and downs. Honesty. Yeah, we've had, I think in 10 years, probably two disagreements. Yeah, two is what I would have said. And one was on my part, one was on John's, and both of them came down to us not talking and communicating. So you have these times where, you know, we've said it a couple of times, there's no two ways about it. Our friendship from what it was back then is completely different because one of the things that like when we hang out now, that's where the, the kids have been amazing because we ha now have another distraction between us and talking about work. You know, when they, we just went to Legoland with the kids and it was like Hilarious. a lovely yes. day to just hang out and be friends because we were best mates before we started this. We're still best mates, but we almost talk like brothers now. But when it comes to the business side of things, when you start to try to escape business and work, all we would ever be able to talk about was work. So that was like probably the hardest element for a long while. But then what you get to with us, it's a case of we were both for a long while, both trying to do everything. And at some point your egos have to just go, he's just better at that. And we had this conversation where John was like, put a penny in Leon. He's going to be the fucking clown. He's going to do what he wants to do. And John would bounce off that energy. And when it came to the edits, I used to spend hours trying to figure out how to track images across things and cut things out. And in the end, I just went, why don't I just ask John? Because he fucking knows how to do it. He knows how to keyframe. He's great at that stuff. So once we'd had these blunt conversations about roles and strengths and weaknesses and our egos kind of calmed the hell down, it's actually been really easy. You know, there's... You, you have like minor differences in opinions or things that you want to do and like where we're at now. For instance, I'm now training for a 250K ultra run. John's Bonkers. doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yes. You know, it's like that, that kind of thing for a very long time because of the brand, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have even considered it. Like for us to, it was such a huge deal for us to go from hardcore bodybuilding to go into CrossFit. We got hated so much. Like our, our views got splashed overnight where the second we started creating CrossFit content because we had this whole community based on us doing bodybuilding workouts. So for a very long time, it was like, we have to do everything together. Everything has to be front-facing, both of us together. We were named like the Ant and Deck of YouTube. It was like, you, you, you're all encompassing. And the thing is for our friendships and our relationship away from the business, that was never going to be a good thing long-term because you have to respect and appreciate that you've both got your own wants and needs and your own things that you want to achieve at the same time as building the business. And now, like, I wouldn't say it's taken 10 years, but 
at 10 years into the business, I feel in the best space that we've ever been in. And we've only had like two minor disagreements in 10 years in itself, but it's like- It's because our ethics line up. Yeah, you, the, the fundamentals are the same. You know, both of us, and we know that none of us are gonna turn around and do something stupid that's gonna massively, you know, ruin the brand. Maybe borderline when I was a little bit younger and a little bit free, I would have been stupid. But we know that we know where the lines are with each other's comfort levels. And if there's something that's a little bit out there, we'll run it by each other and say, what do you think? But generally, we're in a position where we just know and can support each other in our own individual endeavors as well as our brand. Yeah, it's, and it's t- you have to know when to butt in and when to butt out, like I just cut over him then. Yeah, it's, but you have to, like the way Leon and I do stuff, is not always the same. That's totally fine. The way Leon brings up Jax is not the same way I bring up Bobby. And that's fine. That's his That's his playbook. That's how he lives his life. And I, how I live mine is different. And that's totally fine. And Leon likes running. I've tried and I just don't. I keep trying and I still don't. Like, it's fine. You've got to have your own identities. But and it's it, weird. It's just about managing that, isn't it? And like, the same thing is, is we'll always say family comes first. It comes before anything. And then everything else kind of falls in line behind that. I think that was a big one for us, wasn't it? When everyone thought, because our, our daughters uh, were born eight weeks apart. So everybody thought at that point, this is how Ant and Deck, everyone thought it was. It was like, we we're on a walkie-talkies. Oh yeah, that was definitely the one. Go, 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 strike. It was just, it was, go. But it was just, I think it's just one of those things that you don't realize that we were both at that point in our life where when you're hanging out, those conversations start to happen naturally where it's like, oh yeah, you know, the idea of kids and everything like that. And it just becomes like a natural progression for both of you. And because we spent so much time together, we were naturally without even realizing kind of bringing that out, you know, putting it out into the universe. And it just so happened that we both ended up, you know, eight weeks apart. And when we had our kids, that's where we both went, okay, things are going to change. Like we were both doing so much all the time. And for me, it was slightly different because the house set up like Carly's in the same industry as us. So she continued to work. So it was like for the first year, I'm only working three days a week. That's it. I'm being stay at home, dad. I'm going to have the little one for two days. Whereas John main breadwinner was still five days a week. So it was like that balance of who was doing what went really out of whack for like the first year we had a really good conversation about everything and we suddenly turned around and was like, but we both want exactly the same thing here. We want to get the work done and we want to be at home with our little ones. And once you have that conversation, you suddenly realize that it's a constant reminder that we're on the exact same page that yes, our business, there's no two ways about it. Our business could be so much bigger than what it is. It could be so much more successful. It could be so much more in the public eye and all that sort of stuff. All of our numbers could be so much bigger on everything that we do. We are very aware of that because we know what it takes, how to do it. We've been here for 10 years. We get it. But we also understand on the other side of it, what it costs on every other aspect of your life. Like I look at everything in pillars. I've got my own selfish pillar that I need to keep balanced. I've got my dad one. I've got my husband one. I've got my work one. And then I've got like my training and social and all that kind of stuff. None of those can all be at full capacity all the time without something else being you know, at a detriment. And with social media, I look at it and I'm like, the business is doing well. I'm still enjoying what I'm doing and that's enough for me. And I still are extremely driven and passionate to do things like stupid runs and stuff to figure more out about myself. And I'll put that energy into that. But at the same time, I'm like, I still want to go home and play with Play-Doh and not really care about creating another piece of content. You know, and some people, everyone's got their drivers, haven't they? And for us, it's worked because our drivers 
in the important areas are in the exact same place. It comes down to what's your definition of wealth as well. Is your definition of wealth money? Is it time? Is it health? What, what does it? And I don't think ours, mine and Leon's are quite the same as people that are more money driven. And I'm totally cool with that. And sometimes I've spoken to people, agents and stuff, they don't get it. They're like, why did you turn down so much more work? You turn down more than you take on. I was like, yeah, because that, that, and that, and that don't fit with anything that I believe in. And if I'd done that Snickers job on day one, that would be biting me in the ass right now when I was trying to write my book about being healthy. Do you see what I mean? Like we really wanted to go out to the Olympics in Brazil. And I think it was sponsored by McDonald's or something. Like, yes, I eat them probably more than I should. But, and I'm quite happy to say, hey, I'm here in Brazil at X, Y, or Z Olympics, but you want me to stand there holding it, a cup of it, it's a very different thing. So it's just knowing where your, where your borders lie as well. The original Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I, I, what everyone fails to mention on that, if you didn't see it, basically in the Euros, there was a, a Coca-Cola on there and he says, he put the Coke out of the way and went, don't drink Coke, drink water. And everyone was like raving by it. What you're all forgetting is he's sponsored by Pepsi. <laughs> yeah. But this is what I mean. It's like, <laughs> that's where you can choose your battles. Like we always used to call it on social media. There was like the sellout scale, right? So you could, you had your comfort level, your bread and butter for us. It was health and fitness and guy stuff. We knew that. Then beyond that, there's the gray area where you're like, if we've got something that we can say, or create that's going to give the audience something like even just a laugh, a little bit of escapism, a little bit of education. We great, went, we'll we do went it. Nuts in lockdown. We yeah, we, well, I just started doing stupid. No, Beyonce was a, was a single, single ladies. You smashed that. Smashed you were really that, good yeah. at that. Mrs. hated it because I was nicking her high heels and everything. She's like, "Where's my skirts gone, Leon? <laughs> Sorry, I'll just borrow your leotard. It's all good." And you look at it from that perspective, and then there's like some brands where we made the mistake, like we pushed the line a little bit too far before where we'd work with brands because of the association with working with the brand, not because we had the content idea. And you would create this content and it was like painful to create. The whole collaboration was painful. It was constant button heads back and forth with what they wanted and what they expected and what you were creating because all they were looking at was your total reach and the amount of money they had to pay. They didn't care about any of your ethics or what you wanted to create. They just cared that you had all of this following. They want this piece of content to fit there. No matter how much we used to say, look, if you want me to stand there, for want of a better word, like with, I remember a laptop, we don't need to talk about it, but we did a laptop, <laughs> laptop job before. And basically if, if they had it their way, they would have had us sat there at a desk with this laptop open, smiling at the bloody camera. And we're like, that doesn't work for our brand. But we just, it went back and forth. And when, once you, you do that once, you never do it again. And it doesn't matter unless you're money driven, you know, and you can do that. Sometimes you, we've taken jobs on where back in the day, you know, finances weren't in the best place. We're like, cool, let's top it up. Let's do this one. Screw it. We'll take it because we know that it's just for the money. And there's nothing wrong with that sometimes. You just have to get yourself back above ground, but it's just... The reason that came about is it's a double-edged sword. We stepped away from coaching because we couldn't give the clients the time that they expected from us, in all honesty, because we were writing the book. Then our world took off and we were traveling the world and filming with X, Y, and Z. But then that becomes your main income source. So you're like, well... This is the money I have. I have to take some jobs, but I don't want to take that one. Oh, that one I might just be able to squeeze in. And then we're like, well, why are we doing that? Why don't we just go back to doing what we're passionate about and what we love and just do more coaching again? So then that's when we brought our online coaching back in. And now I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. I don't have to work with you if I don't want to. Like, do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's just like, 
you want to do that? And you're like, no, thanks. Cool. I think Cheers. that's one of the things where it brings it right back to that control and the controllable factors. So it was kind of a scary time. We didn't talk about this on social media. I blabbed about it all in the in the book because I just needed to get it off my off my off my chest. Like me and John don't really do the whole pity party or anything like that with our our brand. We just crack on. You know, there's good and bad. Like I will mention one thing. Like we had the biggest opportunity of our life. We're filming. Oh, yeah. We're filming. We're filming a TV show just before COVID, and it all got. Sh- we were on set, and it got shut down because of COVID. And everyone's like, "Oh, you guys, you know, you're always lucky. You're just cracking on, doing your thing." And I'm sitting there going, "You don't know where we were." last Bitch, week we just don't, we just don't <laughs> sit there whining we just crack on and we had this period of time where social when it comes to brands you can't just put a piece of content out and go right i'm guaranteed to get a brand job in the next week it's going to happen it's so sporadic and at the time all of our income was just coming from social media and brand opportunities it was literally like you could have a month where like 40k's worth of work would come in and then nothing for like eight months you know, it doesn't matter if you spread it out, but like when you look at it, you're like, oh, if we can buy a new camera, great. And it doesn't, it, it, it's, it's just so uncontrollable, the, the nature of that whole thing that we had this time where at one point, I think we hadn't been paid for over a year, but we'd been doing jobs, right? So we've been doing all this work. We're going, oh yeah, we've done this job. We've done this job. We're totting it all up. And we're like, great. It's been a good year. No one had paid. No one had been invoiced. So basically someone dropped a bollock and didn't do their job properly. And we were just carrying on. We'd been over to the States, done a few bits and pieces collaboration wise. And I remember we got a phone call from our accountant and he was like, you've got about six grand left in your account. So you've got enough to pay your wages and tax and all the rest of it. And then we probably need to think whether we're going to get an overdraft. And, I, and literally I remember going, well, that makes no sense. It rang up and realized we hadn't been paid. And, and it was a massive wake up call where you went, it's kind of our responsibility and it's the buck stops with us because it's our business. We should have been chasing and all the rest of it. But at the same time, I went, wow, that's just how much that's out of my hands. Because even still, the next time we got paid after chasing and chasing and chasing, we're still two, three months later. You get murdered by a tax bill. You get you're murdered, murdered by everything it all comes in in one quarter. So we then stopped and was like, not what again. is it? Yeah, that was it. it was, that's not happening again. We're never going to be that out of control of what we're doing ever again. And then we sat down and I was like, well, what is it we actually like doing? And that's when I talk about that identity thing. Got so far away from being coaches. We're on there standing on stages going, yeah, so when I work with my coach, my client, it's all about this. And I hadn't worked with him for four years, mate. That imposter syndrome does not get any better when you are constantly referring to an old version of yourself that you've completely lost. So we just went back and went, we're going to start working one-to-one with people. It's what we want to do. We can't do it face-to-face. It's not going to work. We're going to do it online. And people were going, why would you do that? Because you can create content. You can do brand jobs like this. I'm like, it's not about the money. It's not about the time. It's about the what feeling you get from it. So we opened that back up. And within six months, you know, in the last three years, we've never not had clients. We've always been at capacity or close to capacity with the one-to-one coaching. And it takes 80% of our time in the, in the week, but it fills you up and then we started the subscription models and everything like that and people look at us and they go oh yeah you're really hard working guys in the social space because we're still viewed by a lot of people as influencers mm-hmm. and i'm like we're fucking coaches yeah. and that's what we do you know and we and that's and that's how we took back that control where day to day yeah you might not get a new client or you might not get these transformations and everything like that all the time but you still get to control what you do day to day and you still get to help the people who are stood right in front of you and you and you can 
bring your own wage in to a certain degree and, and that just changed everything world, it's a real reward so it's tangible rather than a view or a, or a dollar sign it's uh you've spoken to a person you've given them something you've changed their life they're really happy about it exactly that. thank you and then that feels that's really literally it. it's I a connection from my online coaching there's been people that we've worked with that it has completely changed their lives in big ways and i think because of the way leon and i are and how we're open with stuff and for a long time before it was i don't want to sound like a dick move before everyone was like talking about therapy more open which i think is an amazing thing i was quite openly talking about it and i get a lot of people that come to me with stuff that need to work on and a lot of the time it's out of my remit and i have to pass those people on but through me they get to see the right people as well and there's been people that are within my remit and you get to do things with this is why i don't want to work with athletes because athletes for the most part is don't injure them and, and and keep their performance up with people who you can work with on have real more real world stuff which you can get into with them you can honestly completely change their life and it's that's probably the most rewarding thing that i think i've, I've ever i've ever get to do with people because I genuinely care and if you and people know that and they see that from when you just the messages you send and the time you put into them and the extra mile you go and the questions you ask and I always say this and I still think the most powerful question you can ever ask a client or anyone you're talking to is why because it's very easy to go oh I didn't hit my calories today and they'll give you their reasons sometimes they're excuses most of the time it's what they their perception of it is. But when you question their perception, which is what you do a lot in therapy, well, why do you think that is? And they actually have to think about it. You soon get realized that the reason you thought something, the, the, that was the reason you did something is not the reason at all. That's just what your subconscious tells you. Like without getting too deep into things, like most of the decisions that we make in life now are based off a 13 year old's mind. So pretty much all of our, our decision processes and our kind of under, underlying reasoning is programmed into us by the age that we're 13, 13, 14, by the parents and the people around us. So now a lot of the things that we make are from our upbringing, but my upbringing without getting too deep in it, dad was out of the picture, abusive, blah, 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 blah. So I have a lot of these ways that I make decisions are from a young boy's mind who is scared and who is whatever the situation was there. So they don't suit me. I have an amazing wife, an amazing daughter and a happy family. It's not the same family that I grew up in. So I don't need the same kind of mechanisms to deal with life. And that's one of the amazing, one of the ways that therapy can be so amazing because I didn't know that I had any of these shortcomings or let's say skewed ways of seeing things that didn't do me any favors until someone points them out to you or lets you find them out. It's quite painful to start with because as soon as you challenge anyone's identity and how you see the world, you're like, fuck. Mm -hmm. And then once you get through that and you build onto it, it completely changes the way you see the world. And it's much like when you work with clients, if you've got a client who's largely overweight and they've been known as, sorry, Leon, they've been known as fat Leon all their life, for example, and you start getting them closer to a weight, <laughs> you start getting them to a closer to a weight or a perception or a weight where they, it doesn't really fit them to be called fat Leon anymore. They've been called that all their life. That's their identity. And sometimes you find people start self-sabotaging themselves because not only are you kind of changing the way they look, it's changing and challenging their identity. So yeah, there's, I still believe that 99% of personal training and coaching is down to mental and how you talk to people and, and that kind of aspect. And I, I think we did ourselves a disservice for four years to not be doing that when we're that passionate about it. And it's just nice to be back into it. But it's really important that all of that is part of the journey. 
it was a really, I don't know if cathartic, I'm dyslexic as hell, I don't know whether that's a good word or not. But it was, a, I'm going to say it, it was a really cathartic sounds process. Right it sounds great. Cathartic process. Yeah. Yeah, that so when I was, I, I wanted to write the book over COVID because I just wanted, it was a great reevaluation point, you know, whereas it was amazing and it was, it, and it was horrible in a lot of different ways as well with COVID. But I wanted to focus in a positive direction rather than sitting there going, I don't know what the hell is happening with the world. Again, controllable factors. So I was like, I need something that I can focus on every day. And writing that, all that down, I was I was smiling like some sort of psychopath. I was like, God, that's been good. Because with a lot of things, you don't get to appreciate the position we're in now if we hadn't have been there. If you just have that constant flow of progression, we never would, if we'd never had that, that financial issue, we never would have taken back control. And we could have got even further down the line and ended up selling our soul to pay our bills. And it's like all of that progression over the last 10 years, I'm like so thankful for it to be sat where I am now going, yeah, we're still here because we haven't sold out for the wrong reasons. We haven't worked with the wrong people. We're not the biggest brand in the world, but we're a very successful, trusted and happy brand, which is, which is again, it's, it's what's important to us. So you found a state of... Things are going great. You're happy with yourselves. You're not selling yourselves any direction. What's next? What's on the What's on the agenda? Or are you just happy, flowing where you are? Do you know, I think this is the thing. Like everyone in business world tells you that you have to. I think it's important to have plans for where you want your business to go. But they tell you that you have to know what's coming next. But no one knows what's coming next. All you can do is have a kind of a goal in your mind and point things towards that direction. And I think it's really important to kind of dip your toe in and out of that as well as the past, but make sure you live in the present right now because that's the only thing that's guaranteed. And it's such a cliched thing to say, but again, I was, cause I was, I had someone challenge this with me the other week and it was someone who was a bit more money orientated. His version of wealth was not the same as mine, let's say. And he was like, so what's where you going? What's your plan? What's your plan? And we just didn't see eye to eye. It was just like, and then towards the end, it's like, yeah, I kind of see what you're saying, but they just, we weren't butting heads, but we just, you just didn't agree. And I actually spoke to my therapist about it. And she's like, oh, why? She's like, I don't think you need to have a, a destination. She's like, it's not always got to be what, what's the next thing and what's this and what's that. But from a business perspective, I think it's, it's smart to know where you want to go with things but in terms of life i'm just gonna keep doing what makes me happy and i can't guarantee what i do now in 10 years time will be what makes me happy but i guarantee to myself i will be doing the best thing that i can do to make myself and my family happy yeah for like for me i've got two kind of objectives we've obviously talked about the running uh briefly going over to sri lanka to do a 250k run over five days which is utterly terrifying you know that's that's big dick energy for me i'm like this is as soon as that came in like i did the 50k i did my first 50k run over COVID as well because again i wanted to do something off my own back give me a focus so far out of my comfort zone at the time i was like a 510k runner at the time that all of my training like i'm trying to describe it to people it's if, you, if you're not in that mindset, you're not in that mindset. And it was a case of, I needed to do something that I didn't have all the answers to. All of my training was CrossFit for so long that it was, it might suck, but you know how much it's going to suck and you know roughly how long it's going to suck for. And it was, it was a constant, again, it was such a controllable thing that you can hurt as much as you want to hurt. Whereas with this run, I was like, I don't know whether my body's going to take me that far. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know even how to approach it. And that was 
in a life where we're kind of taught to have our kids get married and settle down, you know, we're not peacocking. We're not trying to build our body to try and stand there and get laid or anything like that and attract a mate. We're not taught to keep pushing ourselves like that. You have to want to take that and do it yourself. And with the 50, it kind of just opened up this area, this space in my mind where I was like, oh shit, okay, there's another level here. Let's, let's, let's figure that out and, and try and learn from that a little bit more. And the person that walked into this, you know, to an ultra runner. Like I'm, I'm kind of not really wanting to make eye contact with Will at the moment. Cause it's like, he's like, he's like, he's sitting there going, oh yeah, just so you know, I did 50K before this, this, this podcast today. But to ultra, ultra athletes who are out there doing these crazy things, it doesn't have to be a crazy thing. It can be like a 5K for someone. But when you've walked through that door, you don't walk back. And that's something that I learned from that one. And I was like, wow, okay, so let's figure this out. And now- with the 250, this is like a whole new level of, I have no idea what I'm doing, but the only thing I'm going to focus on is what I need to do day by day to hopefully get to that point where it's all good and I'll get round and it will be high fives. And even the sheer moments in the day where I allow myself to escape to that finish line on day five, like every now and again, I just have a little peek over the fence where I'm like, that's going to be elation and pride yeah on a level that i've never experienced and i'm really excited to grow into that space and that's a purely personal selfish thing that i'm working on at the moment and the best thing about uh the best thing about that is it's definitely not going to be high fives the whole way around no it never is you go and and it's like a really it sounds like a really american thing to say but i totally now understand the phrase of we grow in the dark and it and it wasn't like that 50K, I didn't appreciate the first 44 of it. It was the last 6K when I knew that I'd gone the wrong fucking way. And I thought I was nearly home and I had to do another lap around the city, which I didn't want to do. And I remember stopping. And I remember the exact exact situation. I, went, I just said to the boys, I need to have a wee. And I didn't. I, I was straining so hard trying to get some pee out of this thing at that point because I was just gone. And I remember just standing there going, my whole body hurts so bad. And it, and it was literally 30 seconds of saying, you can stop now. It's fine. You can, it's absolutely fine for you to stop. You've done everything that you You've wanted to do. Today. You've gone somewhere you haven't been before. That's, That's when it started. Enough. That's when it started. And that last 6K was unbelievable. Like absolutely life-changing because that was the first time I'd gone beyond the physical realm with my, with my body. The most amazing thing with ultra for me is that doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are, how successful you are, how much money you have, you cannot create those. Well, you cannot create that feeling or that experience any other way than doing something basically the same for fucking hours and hours and hours on end. There's no other way of getting there. You can, a CrossFit workout can be an hour. You can do, you can try and do six wads in a day or something, but to get to that, that mental that mental place of going beyond as you described it's literally that that's basically the only way i know you could ever do it i remember saying after you had that p saying to you i could see that that was going on i was like right here we go leon you wanted something that was going to challenge you it starts now yeah and it was amazing like that was great so like on a personal level there's that like business wise i would say like the main and it's kind of weird because you guys are like one of the brands that I really wanted to work with this year. And I know this is like really blowing your trumpet, but I've been watching Pure Sport grow and become this 
phenomenal community as well as a brand over the last year. Obviously, we had a connection with Dollar and I've been a customer as well. And this year, Pure Sport were on the list of people I wanted to work with. Didn't really say this too much. It's really embarrassing now because we're obviously part of the team. But there was three or four people that, again, for, for 10 years, you're working with everyone who fits with your message. But there was a point where last year we went, you know what? I just want to work and be exclusive to the people that make sense to us. Because first of all, it makes it easy. You can get rid of half of the wash with a lot of people who come in and you can focus your energy in the direction that suits you the most. And this year, like on a financial and business level, we've completed absolutely everything that we wanted to complete, which is amazing. Nike wasn't even on there. So when that came in, I was like, it's just bonus round. Yeah, here we go. Getting the gold coins in now. This is amazing. Like with Nike, like I've got a tattoo on the on the outside of my leg, which is a Lego man, which has got a Nike tick on. And I remember getting this tattoo like six, seven years ago and, and thinking it'd be so cool if one day you were even associated with Nike more than them just giving you free crap all the did, time. Which did is you great. ever think, what if someone like Adidas comes yeah. along and they're like, why have you got a Nike we, shoe? Well, we, worked with, we worked with Reebok for a very long time in the CrossFit space and they were a great brand fit for us. And I had to always wear long socks because <laughs> of that. But like next year, when I look, look forward to next year, there's... You know, I can't look far beyond the run at the moment because it's going to take a lot. But as a business next year, I think the most primary importance for me is to keep enjoying it uh, first and foremost. But I think off the back of COVID, one of the things that I've really realized, and I haven't even had this conversation properly with John yet, I want to be in front of people again. And I didn't realize how much so until we were quite recently at the Arnold Classic with... I um, the PE party. Yeah, with... <laughs> well, I got there. That was a shock to the system. Man. I turned up and Donald was like, yeah, you're not competing, but you can kind of just come and chill if you want. And I turn up and he puts a clipboard in my hand. Yeah, look what you're doing. You're free. Yeah. You're in. <laughs> you're in. I'm like, great. But if we did some like MC stuff, um, running knocko stand and stuff while we're there, and I loved it. Like the energy being around people, being in front of people. So I think like next year we've got retreats and stuff like that, which is amazing. We're going to continue to grow our subscription models and our one-to-one coaching in the way that we have. But I'm really starting to get that itch to be in front of people. So whether that becomes like manifests into us doing some seminars or stage work and just getting out in front of like the conferences and stuff like that, or developing almost like a sub-brand off the back of this kind of conversation. Because one of the things that we do have, which we don't think about, is maybe we're just a little bit too soft on ourselves and don't really big ourselves up enough that we have a lot of experience over the last 10 years with this social media thing and understand it a lot more on a psychological or mental level, I guess, or spiritual, if you want to say that, rather than just like the physical practical elements. And I feel like there's a lot there to help a lot of people. So I'd like to, I can see myself kind of slowly going towards that space next year, which which is really exciting and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I just want to make sure as well that, which is what we do at the moment, is that we're in control and we stay out of the, out of the trodden path. And what I mean by that is like, you're a kid, you go to nursery, you do well at nursery, you go to primary school. If you do well in primary school, you get put in better sets at high school. Great. If you do well at high school, you can go to college and then university. And if you do well at university, you can go into a job and you can work at that job till you're 65. And then you can stop when your knees are bugging and you're old and you can have the freedom to do what you want. But I don't think the two have to be separate. Why can't you do a lot of the stuff you want now and explore the world and do the stuff while you're young while still making money to support that? And I think that's a big thing to me. I would almost say it's almost slightly 
almost slightly of fear. Like I, I, I don't want to be in that position that much, if that makes sense. I just don't want to have regrets when I'm older. Wow. No regrets. No regrets. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. Okay, but what does mine say? Dude, what does mine say? I think that's a perfect way to end it there with you guys. Really appreciate both of you coming in and being very open and honest about the last 10 years and, you know, what you're planning to do next as well. But thanks for coming in. If people want to find you, if people want to reach out to you, you've got what YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, you've got your own personal yeah, don't, as well. Don't really worry too much on most of the platforms. Like if you want to have a conversation with us, there's two main areas. It's literally Instagram at the Lean Machines official or email tlmonlinecoaching at gmail.com. There are main areas that we actually converse. Otherwise it just gets it falls into a wash of people saying really weird stuff sometimes. Is there an Instagram at The Lean Machines? Someone yeah, else got it's, that. It's a fan, oh, account, fan, fan account from a lot of years back and they re, repost our photos and you can't claim an Instagram account off someone else unless they haven't posted for six months. And this person posts like every five months and three weeks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, got my, I got video. my name back. Did you? Yeah. Recently, yeah. But it's really annoying. So again, when we first started, I didn't have social media. Right. I didn't have Twitter. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have any of it. I remember we went out and got absolutely wasted oh, with, with John's, John's older sister who'd been doing it for a while. And she was sitting there creating my Twitter account for me as we sat there having a drink. I'm like, so how do I do one of these tweet things then? <laughs> and um, at that point, because John's family were all in social media beforehand, he had like 20 or 30,000 followers on his Instagram account. And we had this conversation about work and I was like, We'll just make your personal one the business one. It makes perfect sense because, again, you had to become that brand. So we just renamed John Chapman's one the Lean Machines official, and we had to make it official because at that point there was already a fan account. <laughs> it was, it so was, we couldn't do it. I know it was, I know it was 10 years ago because – one of our bodies, Matt, he still calls me Johnny Chappers 23 because it was John Chapp 23 <laughs> was my Twitter. So I know it started around then. Yeah. And I even remember because I'm called Leon Busty on Instagram and Twitter. That was a mistake. It's because I thought you you wouldn't put your name. You had to make a really cool ad thing. So I was like, I'm going to call it Leon Busty rather than my actual name because I'm really young and hip. And it was actually now everyone just calls me Busty. And oh, for God's sake, just <laughs> screwed up. Stupid. And that is the way of the world. There you go. Leon, if you want to go on a long run when my, when my shin's all fixed up, I'd love that. If you've, got any, if you've got any plans in, it'll probably be December when I can run again. Yeah, you can run now. You'll probably keep up. I might snap my leg in half, so I'll hold off. Or I'll just cycle next to you. John, if you don't want to go on a run, yeah. I'll yeah, join you, you on yeah, that you one. You can do jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you say you were going to start some jiu-jitsu? Yeah, I'll get you in a, in a hold, in an armbar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> so you two can have a fight and we'll, yeah. we'll go for a run. Sounds great. Finally beat James Dollar or something. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> it started. <laughs> get the steel chair out. Peace. <laughs> Yo, thank you, Pure Sport fan, for tuning in. As a valued listener, we'd like to offer you a 20% discount code site-wide on puresportcbd.com. Use the code PROJECT20 to level up your life. If you like this podcast, like, subscribe and share with your friends. And remember, no stress, stay blessed and we'll catch you next time.